is peace. Good morning. Happy feast day, everyone. Um, the archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And um, just a, a little note that in the time of St. Francis, the Middle Ages, uh, the, these uh, was a huge feast day. And uh, everybody had a huge devotion to St. Michael. In particular, there's that shrine in Italy to St. Michael. And St. Clair's mother went there when she was pregnant with little Claire, and there was a prophecy, the child in your womb will be a light to the world. All kinds of interesting connections there in the Middle Ages. But um, if I had to title this homily, I would title it The Angels in Context. The Angels in Context. So one of the classes I took recently was a Christian anthropology class, and that's the theology of man, but uh, in the context of the Christian faith, you know, how man fits into the bigger picture of, of creation, actually. And um, part of that class, we studied the angels. It was really interesting. You wouldn't think that, huh? That you would study angels on a, in a class where you're doing the theology of what is man. Um, but uh, it's the classic curriculum of an anthrop Christian anthropology class includes uh, the angels. And a subset of that topic is the demons, who are angels, but they blew it. You know, they fell. And uh, so, boy. Interesting stuff, really mysterious, huh? Uh, interesting and mysterious, but kind of important. And uh, my takeaway from that um, opportunity to relook at all of that, and we're looking at scripture, we're looking at the early church fathers, the creeds, right? God made everything visible and invisible. That's talking about the angels there, the spiritual realm. And then um, some of the early church fathers in the Middle Ages, there's a lot of talk of the, you know, Thomas Aquinas and Bonaventure, a lot of talk about speculating about the angels and whatnot. And then in, in modern times, some, some of the, the catechism and some of the things the Pope has said. And there's this movement called the work of the holy angels. Are you familiar with that? Uh, it was kind of popular. They're still around. Um, so it's like a confraternity or something. And uh, they kind of got in trouble with the Vatican. They had to uh, clean up some of their devotions a little bit. It got a little misguided, but um, evidently it's really on the right track now. And uh, so my takeaway from looking at all of that was this idea of seeing the angels in the proper context. You know, um, throughout history, there have been movements uh, that have kind of given, you know, given the angels uh, a devotion or a worship that kind of pulled them out of their context. And I think a lot of people in our world today are doing the same thing. So how many of us, you know, you, you meet people who will say something like, oh, I love the angels. You know, maybe they have a little angel uh, pen, you know, or like a little angel statue. And, uh, but no understanding of the angels in their context. You know, the angels are kind of out of context and just, you know, this idea of my, my little imaginary friend who, you know, helps me or hangs out in the garden or whatever. Or uh, even in the new age, people kind of love to get into the kind of mysterious, spiritual, you know, spirits and angels, you know, but it it's, has nothing to do with God or Jesus or anything. So uh, the most simple way to word is, you know, the angels are creatures. So they're not gods, they're not demigods, they're not, they're just creatures, you know, made by God. And uh, in everything that God created, visible and invisible, there is an order and a unity. So we see that in the cosmos, don't we? You know, like the planets and the, uh, there's a marvelous unity that how everything fits together, right? There's an order. And uh, the scientists can help us to see that more now than ever before. There's such an order to everything that exists. And that is true for the spiritual realm as well. There's an order there and it's united. None of, everything that God created 
It's outside of himself. You know, um, it, everything, visible and invisible, is a united whole. Um, and that there's an order and a balance to all of it, visible and invisible. So the angels are creatures and they're a part of God's creation. So uh, they're in the context of the, the whole of God's creation. They're very similar to us in that man, mankind and angels, the only you know, creatures that are kind of made in God's image and likeness and will live with him forever in heaven. Uh, not, that is not true of any other aspect of creation, sorry. Animals, you know, plants. Everybody wants to know if their dog's gonna be in heaven, but no, how can nobody ask like, well, my, my little bonsai tree, will that be in heaven with me, you know? Uh, so, uh, so they are uh, created good. So the angels were created good because everything that God created was good, right? Because God couldn't have created anything bad or evil. And um, the angels had some kind of a test. And boy, would I love to just give a class on this, the theories of what that test was. Because they were unfallen in their nature. There was no temptation that came from their own nature. There was some type of a test. And the test included their ability to freely choose or reject God. And some of them rejected God and they became demons and they reject God forever. Uh, and the angels who accepted God, they accept God forever. And, uh, and then uh, they are fellow servants. Uh, so it says in the book of Revelation, right? One of the angels shows up and John is tempted to worship him. He's so majestic and he's like, don't worship me, worship God alone. That's a Catholic teaching. We only worship God. And uh, I am a fellow servant. So that's my favorite definition of what the angels are. They're fellow servants and they are servants of the redemption. So what are they doing? They are helping the grace of redemption unfold in history. And uh, so they're on our side, or we're on their side, or we're all on God's side, or whatever. And they help us to follow Jesus, to hear and heed his voice, as uh, we prayed in the entrance antiphon there. Um, now, in the midst of this idea that the angels are fellow servants, and that they're servants of the redemption, and they help us, above them, everything else, they help us to grow in grace, an aspect of that which I find really, I'm very interested in, is the, the liturgical function of angels. We had that in the readings today. Let's look at that for a minute. It's super interesting. and I never thought of it before I just had this class recently. So if you were to pull out all of the passages in the Bible where there's the mention of the angels, the only three whose names we have are today's Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. The church has always um, and, uh, guided us not to give names to any other angels. And there's a reference to like, there's one passage in the Bible where they ask the angel, what is your name? And he's like, why do you want my know my name? It's mysterious. You know, like it's whatever they, the language of their, we probably can't even pronounce the name, so don't even ask. But they have a mysterious name. And, uh, and there is a development of the understanding of angels ministering to God. Did you catch that in the prayer? They minister to God. Well, what does that mean? You know, it's a liturgical understanding. And this idea uh, that we had in the, the reading at morning prayer talked about the Jacob's ladder. The word ladder is not the best translation. It's um, uh, stairway is a better translation, which is what is in the morning prayer this morning in the breviary. And then Jesus makes reference to that in the gospel, right? You will see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. It's a reference to the book of Daniel. And uh, so what is that? Have you ever heard or read or thought about what, what is that all about? Okay, any Led Zeppelin fans here? The stairway to heaven? No. It's so interesting. So the, the Jews had the idea that when God revealed the blueprint for the temple, that this was the temple on earth, which ended up being built in Jerusalem, was an image of, a, of an actual temple in heaven. That, 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 that uh, they were seeing a vision of the temple in heaven where God lived, and then the temple in Jerusalem was a, 
made after the pattern of the temple in heaven. And uh, there were stairs. So this reference to the Jacob with the stairs is a reference to the stairs in the temple. It's not a ladder. It's a stairway uh, in the temple which leads you up to you know, God's presence, right? The, the Holy of Holies where the ark was and they believe somehow God dwelt there. The, the best way to understand that is what we believe with the tabernacle or the blessed sacrament is. It was somehow above this mercy seat on this ark which was in this Holy of Holies was God was actually there. It's where he dwelt on earth and these stairs, you know, went there and uh, so there's a reference to the liturgy that was happening in the temple which was sacrificed that the angels somehow had a part in that and that what we were doing here on earth was in a participation or an imitation of what the angels were doing in heaven. Isn't that mysterious, you know? And uh, that really, uh, that idea really came to fruition in the things we read in the book of Revelation. You know, this idea of uh, the angels are there and they're ministering to God and they're, they're almost like dressed like deacons and they're burning incense, which is the prayer of the saints and they're pouring out bowls of wrath and there's uh, all kinds, of, they're participating in this kind of worship of God. The imagery there is kind of wild and, and uh, scary and, uh, entertaining, you know, but uh, so how do we understand this in terms of like our own worship? Well, there is a reference to the angels taking what we do here at the altar to the, uh, to the altar in heaven, right? First Eucharistic prayer, the Roman canon, may your angel take this you know, sacrifice to your altar in heaven. And I think in one of the readings today, uh, there's going to be a reference to that at the uh, prayer of the offertory. These gifts are born by the ministry of angels into your presence presence of your majesty. So when you think of the things we ask the angels to help us with, you know, whether to be safe when we're in the car or, you know, just the thing that we really should ask the intercession, the mysterious help of the angels is to help us to worship God, help us to enter more deeply into worship, into the offering of honor and reverence and praise of almighty God. Now, there are some angels that um, there's a theory that some of the angels, that's all they do. They're just, you know, they burn with the love of God, the seraphim, and they just, they're in his presence and they're just praising and worshiping him for all of his love and his goodness and his majesty and his awesomeness. But they help us to worship God, that our worship might be more authentic, more pure, more, uh, uh, you know, our motivations for worshiping God may be purified and that uh, it would help us to understand how the, the concrete, you know, our daily lives are connected to the altar here, right? You know, as we come to the altar, we come to mass, we bring ourselves and we bring everything that's happening and, and somehow it's brought here to the altar, which is symbolized by the bread and the wine being brought up, right, the offertory, and that uh, we're united to the offering of Jesus, mysteriously, you know. Now, these, these are mysteries to be pondered, huh? Mysteries to be pondered. So that's the context, angels in context, you know, fellow creatures, servants of the redemption, and ministers to the Lord, and uh, helping us to cooperate with grace but more than anything, helping us to worship God. And uh, that's what they do. And so let's ask for their help this day. Amen.